Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Roark. Guys, this is a fun, fun episode. I have the amazing Dr. Tim Evans with me. Dr. Tim Evans is a boarded theriogenologist and also a, a boarded toxicologist. He is uh, a professor at University of Missouri's College of Veterinary Medicine, and Dern, he is fun. I think you guys are going to love this episode. Uh, I loved, I love getting to meet uh, Tim, and my team uh, still talks about getting to work with him. So he is super fun, and this is one of those episodes where there's somebody who, gosh, they know their stuff, and they're just telling stories. And it is awesome. And so uh, if you if you learn from from stories and examples and anecdotes and you soak that stuff up and it sticks in your brain, I got something great for you today because you're going to learn some stuff. This is really uh, this is just as my favorite way to learn. Anyway, this is a wonderful episode. It is brought to you ad free by Hills Pet Nutrition and their Hills Veterinary Academy. Guys, if you've not checked out the Hills Veterinary Academy, it is a amazing site for uh, educating the entire veterinary team. Have a look at it. There's some links down in the show notes you definitely want to check out. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Tim Evans. Thanks for being here. Well, this is great. I have dreamed about being on the Code of Shame. Nightmares. dreamed about it. Oh, my gosh. You are you are too kind. Uh, for those for those who don't know you, you are a veterinary toxicologist. You were at the University of Missouri's College of Vet Medicine. You were also their uh, public engagement and continuing education coordinator. Yeah, that's uh, a mouthful, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I had I had to write that one down. I was like, I'm not going to remember that. Uh, but yeah, it's great. Man, you are uh, you are so much fun. I am super glad to have you here. I. Uh, I've got, it's time for a quick refresher for me. And I, I realized this last night when uh, when I was having a cookout at my house and I had a bunch of friends that were over and we were doing shish kebabs and one of the kebabs hit the ground and my goofy dog snatched a big hunk of onion off the end of the kebab before I could get there. And I thought, oh, well, that's that's not good. Uh, but, but how bad is it? Let's think. And so I thought that you and I could get together and start to talk about some... Uh, we should get into toxins, is what I was thinking, and then uh, specifically. Uh, so anyway, we, we're due we're due for a, a review on nephrotoxins, and so that's kind of what I wanted to get in today. I was thinking about let's think about kidney disease. Uh, the uh, the A to B to C there is is kind of winding and convoluted, but that's that's kind of how I got here. Yeah, well, I you know, and on the onions, I mean, eventually, if you have severe enough uh, enough of a dosage, and again, a lot of it in. In, in veterinary toxicology, I mean, everything is toxic. Okay, you watch the TV, you listen to the music, everything is toxic. Britney Spears is toxic. Taylor Taylor Swift is toxic. Something's toxic. Something's so, toxic. But the but but everything is toxic. But I think it all really comes down to um, the level of exposure. How how much is an animal? How much is an animal exposed to? And again, uh, you know, so that comes down to. Uh, how much onion, how big the dog, okay? If it's, you know, and is it just a one-shot deal? Uh, the dog counted to five, got what it was, ate it, probably not a problem. If that's your daily routine that you have people come every day. I mean, we had a we had some folks years ago, they had a, 
they they decided they were going to grill steaks every evening. And they felt bad for their their great game, okay? So they went ahead and grilled onions for their great game. Now, does that sound like a fair exchange? The dog wants a steak, and they're grilling onions. So they gave it onions, and for um, and for approximately like a month, six weeks, two months, it got an it got grilled onions every 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 night, and then the dog started acting kind kind of lethargic, and uh, they brought him in. The dog was anemic, and then you know, incidentally, they get this history, and you know. All we're trying to do when we're talking about our patients is we're trying to get a history. We're trying to get a, what are, what's the examination. We want to come up with what are the problems. And then we want to figure out how do we fix things. Well, this dog was anemic. And in the story came up with the onions. And luckily, onions can uh, will destroy red blood cells, cause hemolysis. Okay. That can potentially, that can cause, you know, hypoxia. It could also affect the kidneys. I mean, a lot of these things that are out there, and again, everything is toxic. Uh, if there's enough of it, you can potentially go ahead and get some uh, adverse changes in, in the case with onions and in the red blood cells, possibly in the liver, in the kidneys. But it all comes down to, you know, how much. And, and again, this was a great game. Usually when I get a phone call and someone says, hey, I got a great day it got into something. I'm thinking, well, it's going to have to get into a whole lot of something to be a problem. I mean, most of the time when we're talking to to our colleagues, you know, if someone tells me they got a, a Shih Tzu or a, or, or, or a tiny little Chihuahua or something like that, and it gets into something, I start listening pretty pretty carefully because the, the possibility of that being a problem goes much higher than when you've got a when you've got a lab, which thank goodness they eat everything, or you've got, I've got a great day. So. Yeah, no, that that makes sense to me. You know, it also makes sense. You know, your your old nutrition history for the win. You know, is trying to tease that out. Do do you have questions when you're looking for toxins? Uh, ways that you like to ask questions to pet owners that you feel like get them to kind of tip their cards a little bit or I, I, you know, I, it's, it's amazing to me how often I'll say, you know, well, what does she eat? And they're like, Oh, nothing, just regular stuff. And 35 minutes later, the onion story will come out. And I'm like, well, why, why didn't I get this early on? Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes it, makes it a bit, a bit hard in veterinary medicine sometimes. And that medicine generally gotten to the point where you got 15 minutes to give, to figure out what's going on. And, you know, we had a we had a, a situation at the at, at over at the veterinary health center where um, an owner, some really very good owner, um, had uh, I believe uh, uh, retrievers uh, running dogs all the time. She brought in this dog. The dog was acting kind of depressed. She thought maybe it was a problem with a dewormer that she had used, and then they got some blood work, and then the dog was. Uh, then the dog, they found something that it was a, an older golden retriever. They thought possibly there might be a problem like some type of cancer or something like that. And, you know, you get into a referral center and we're looking at everything in the world and trying to figure out what's going on. And 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 so they're working like, you know, we got people working on this part of the dog and people working on this part of the dog. And they said, you know, she still thinks it could be some kind of poisoning. And I and and she said. She wanted to know if you'd come over and, and, and visit. And, you know, 
a guy like me at the time I was in the diagnostic lab, I mean, actually being allowed into the hospital. I mean, that's, <laughs> whoa, that's like being on the cone of shame. Right. It's like being on the cone of shame. So I got in and, you know, I, I, I sit with the client we're talking about and she said, well, the dog was kind of acting kind of drunken and the, and it just didn't. And there was, you know, she thought that it could be this dewormer. And then she'd had a lot of people, um, a lot of uh, workers working around the house and they'd had a bunch of vehicles and all of this. And I said, she said, well, what kinds of things can cause this kind of, you know, behavior? And so I go on down the list of things and, you know, there's, uh, there's the abermectins, the, the, uh, the macrocyclic lactones, that class of, of drug. And then we're getting, and then I, I'm getting in, well, you know, and then there's alcohol, um, you know, there's a rendo, uh, you know, um, uh, yeast decides to rise in the animal. So then you get, a, you get ethanol. And I said, well, you know, there's always ethylene glycol. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know, were, were there any, you know, dripping irradiators or anything like that? And she said, well, you know, they had a bunch of vehicles there. And, and I said, she said, well, how do we figure out if that's the problem? I said, well, you know, you got a complete blood count. You got a, you got a, a, you got a blood panel this morning. Uh, we went ahead. You got, we got a urinalysis. So, you know, we go ahead and we've got a, got some blood work on the animal. We got a CBC. We got a, we got a, a chemistry panel looking at liver, kidney, a variety of different organ systems. And then we get a urinalysis. Okay. We can look at those results when we get them and that can give us a, some idea, you know, if, we're concerned about a possible exposure to ethylene glycol. Maybe, maybe that could have occurred. So we go ahead. It's a, at the end of the day, we get the blood work. You know, we're all thinking this chance of it being ethylene glycol is like, like next to nothing. And all of a sudden, what we do, we get the urinalysis and we've got calcium oxalate monohydrate crystals. We've got an increased uh, anion. Um, and I, and I am gap and this dog, and it was, it was not something on the radar had gotten into ethylene glycol, excellent owner, breeder, you know, check, made it sure that everything was just right. But when you get a lot of people and a lot of things happening, who knows? And ethylene glycol is generally pretty sweet and it doesn't take a lot. This was an older dog and. Unfortunately, this dog ended up going into uh, ended ended up going into into renal uh, renal failure. I mean, yeah, I mean it's it's those are the kinds of things, and so we don't, you know, everything is toxic, but again, it depends on the amount, and sometimes you have to. Sometimes it's the simplest things. Years earlier, I'm in the VHC, the second time they let me they let me in it, and then. There's this great Dane, and this great Dane is in there, and the great Dane had had surgery on its spine. They thought it was a wobbler. They were going, I was there for another reason, but they were taking the pictures and pinching it. And this dog all of a sudden goes ahead, and he just kind of he takes his head, and it just kind of looks like this right at you. He looked like my roommates my first year of vet school on, on, a, on a Saturday morning. He just looked like that. And I said, could this dog have gotten into to ethylene glycol? And the residents looked at me and they said, Dr. Evans, 
you always think it's an intoxication. And so I can't help myself. So I was working on my PhD at the time, writing my dissertation. So I was working into the wee hours in my office. And so I'm running on this dissertation. And all of a sudden I get this phone call and it's from the, um, it's from the people over in the, in the ICU. And they said, Dr. Evans, Dr. Evans, this is amazing. We went ahead, we looked at the blood work on the dog. The dog had an increased osmol gap. And just at that point in time, he vomited and this fluorescent green fluid just was, was all over the floor. Dr. Evans, you were right. And I said, well, yeah. yeah. No. He said, <laughs> okay. So they said, well, can we test it to see whether it's, you know, it's the fluorescent green? I said, yeah, I've got a really expensive test for that. We're going to take that vomit and we're going to see if it freezes. Okay. And I'll know pretty quick. Didn't freeze. Okay. That's what it was. So those kinds of things, those kinds of things. I mean, we, we started out with a great Dane and onion and now we're a great Dane with ethylene glycol. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny when you talk about trying to go ahead and get a history, how it, it, you never know when that, that pearl of information is going to pop up that actually gets you thinking, you know, the, a dog had surgery, so great it had to be that it was it was a wobbler, had to be something was going like that. The fact that this dog had probably drunk a half gallon of antifreeze seemed to not be, be in the card. So, again, there's a lot of things that people don't recognize that are around the house, that are in our homes, that potentially can be problematic. And again, oftentimes it's just people's natural to think that it's somebody else possibly trying to poison their pet when it's actually just things that are around the home. Yeah. Stepping back real quick. The frozen vomit test, is that written down somewhere? Is that can you can you look that up or is that is that an actual is that an actual diagnostic test or did you just No, it's a okay. doctor it's a right. Dr. Evans. It's a Dr. Just, Evans, it's antifreeze. Does it freeze? That's, so I, my head kind of exploded for a moment. I was like, I've never, I've never heard of this test. And like, I think these cases are a good illustration of things that we find around our house that are potentially a problem. Some of them you got to consume a lot of. Okay, for ethylene glycol, a dog, you know, has to consume about uh, four to six mils per uh, per kilogram. And that's pure ethylene glycol. So let's figure if it's half uh, half ethylene glycol, it's got to be close to 10 to 12 mils per kilogram. Let's figure you got a 20-pound dog, 10 kilogram. You know, that's that's hundred close to 120 ounces. Okay. I mean, uh, that's, yeah, close to 120 not ounces, 120 uh, mils. We're talking four ounces. Okay. Got to do the math. There's four ounces. That's a pretty good amount of 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 ethylene glycol. That's a twenty pound dog. Go ahead and take a hundred pound dog. You've got quite a bit. So, and and again, it's the one thing. And students, vet students, love math. They love math. So do so do veterinarians actually. Oh, so, there's a right uh, answer. But, yeah, yeah. But but again, we have to get the calculations. And so 
we add that all together and then we then we go ahead and we talk about intoxications we talk about our, how are we going to go ahead and treat it but well, we're going to remove from the source we're going to stabilize supportive care and then we're going to try and 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 prevent it in the case of of ethylene glycol what you're left with most of the time with treating is we're going to use ethanol or we're going to use or methylpyrazole. People call it bimepazole. I had a student who one day in the parking lot said, Dr. Evans, I want to do emergency medicine. And you taught me about four methylpyrazole, 4MP, but you never taught me about bimepazole. I said, I said, okay, let's just four methylpyrazole. Four methylpyrazole. There you go. Okay. <laughs> you were but, just talking about it. Okay. Yeah. But, but again, and you could go for four methylparazole or ethanol, Everclear. I mean, I'm in Missouri. You just go to your, you go to your corner, your corner liquor store and, and there's a, there's a variety of protocols you use, but you give the animal, um, IV ethanol, a uh, 30, 30% solution, uh, a bolus dose. Then you keep it on uh, a continuous infusion for a period of time. With if you can get formethylpyrazole for methylmepazole, you you dose a number of multiple doses. But you're doing that to prevent the animal from making some of the more toxic metabolites of ethylene glycol. Okay, so that's that's how we address that. But you got to get after it quick, if you know. And and if the dog, if the dog or the cat is already in 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 kidney problems, there's not a whole lot you can do. That's the that's the unfortunate part. So does that? So that's kind of how you know. That's that aspect we kind of talked about. Um, you know, how do we work up a case? How do we talk about these things? How do we treat something like ethylene glycol? Let's let's go to Let's go to another common, another common uh, problem with that would affect the kidney. Let's talk about uh, grapes and raisins in dogs. Okay, so for some reason, never in my mind did I think I got a dog. I'm going to give it a treat. Let's give it a grape. I I just never quite occurred to me that 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 was. But a lot of people like giving grapes and raisins. Dogs. I mean, oh, I get it. I totally get it. It's, it's a perfect little treat size. Like you're you're there, you're eating it. You know, it's mostly water. You go, how could this be bad? And I I totally get it. I totally yeah. get it. Well, to see, that's that's why you're where you are <laughs> as the host of the cone of shame, and and I'm a and, and I'm a toxicologist. So you know, so we talked about for probably. I mean, it's probably been close to fifteen years where the Animal Poison Control Center brought attention to the fact that uh, that they were seeing uh, problems with grapes and raisins. And some animals seem to be particularly sensitive. I mean, some animals, it takes a boatload of grapes, maybe a, a little, maybe less in the way of raisins. But some dogs, little dogs, you get a box of, of, a box of raisins and they go into, they go into renal failure. I mean, so that's an interesting in that that case, we've got we've got different kinds of intoxications where we have differences in sensitivity of different animals. And in this case, 
some animals are much more sensitive dog just it's a dog thing in in my mind it's a dog thing you've got grapes and raisins and particularly raisins uh because whatever it is we don't we didn't know what the toxin was but now um the belief is is that tartaric acid or potassium bitartrate are somehow involved in that we don't know how but we don't have really a way to test for it but they can what happens is the dog gets into it they start vomiting and then they end up with the tubules in the kidney which are play a an important role the kidney does uh basically are damaged and then we get into and we get into renal failure and kidney failure. And so, you know, this is one of these things that I'm kind of, you know, I tell people, just don't, just don't give grapes and raisins to, uh, to your dogs. And I, I actually, uh, I was trying to get my haircut yesterday because, you know, I was coming on the, coming on the cone of shame and, and, and my regular barber shop, they were closing in 10 minutes. And, and so I went to a, a new barber shop and the lady there says, I said, and I I was dressed. Don't ask me why, but I was had I had a an MU shirt on and wearing my tiger stripe pants. Okay, okay, wearing my tiger stripe pants. It doesn't leave much to the imagination of where I work. And she said, "I have a dog. I have a French bulldog." And I said, "Wow!" And she says, "I said if you could tell me anything, you said you're a toxicologist. If you could tell me anything, what should I not do?" I said, "Well, don't give it grapes, raisins." Don't give it chocolate. Don't give it those kinds of things. It's it's a dog. Get 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 dog treats for the dog, okay? But um, you know, but but so then she asked about grapes and raisins. Well, grapes and raisins. I always think that, and she said that she said, well, they're so much fun, and they're and when they eat them, you know, they explode. And it's and I said, no, that's not a that's that's a uh, that that's a, a a less than ideal thing to do now. Again, how many times do we get phone calls from somebody who says, oh, my gosh, my Great Dane ate one, one grape. Wait, well, that's probably not going to be a problem. And probably, but what we do need to recognize is, has that dog ever had that kind of poisoning before? Has that dog had grape and raisin intoxication? If it's had it before, then... Yes, maybe a one grape, particularly um, multiple raisins, might be an issue. But and I think this brings us back to to a a lot of things, you know. And you know, dealing with 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 pets and and with organ function. I mean, the kidneys. We don't really know they're not working until they're really not working, and so. You know, we go ahead and we see an elevation in uh, the blood urea nitrogen or the, the the creatinine, and we go, oh, oh, you know, oh my gosh! But we don't always. And a good a good example of this grape and raisin analogy you talk about in dogs. I believe it's a dog thing. Anecdotally, some people say, well, there may be cats. There's been reports of cats having kidney problems. And they've ate one raisin. Okay. Well, as you and I both know, cats are basically chronic kidney disease 
waiting, waiting to occur. And <laughs> and and so we. I mean, I like I love cats. Oh, yeah, my, no. best, my best friend is a cat, but I'm not giving it. I I, I I'm I'm watching out for uh watching out for his uh, renal function. But what happens is a cat eats a raisin, and then the cat's not feeling well, and somebody goes ahead and does the blood work, and they see the cat has renal disease. And now it's got to be because it ate the raisin, not just because it's a cat. And 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 that brings us to the point of of going ahead and when we get our patients that come into clinics, I always think it's a great idea to get baseline blood work. Dogs coming in for a for a, a, a puppy check, or or even a dog's coming in for its annual shot, whatever. Getting that blood panel and looking at, you know, are we seeing any type of changes in the red blood cells, white blood cells? Are we seeing anything in the blood chemistry indicative of potential liver disease or kidneys, something like that? That gives us some baseline information that we can go back and then go ahead and and and, and figure out. So when I'm talking about cats and and grapes and raisins, and I don't think that's a thing. On the other hand, we've got cat and true lilies. That's a thing. Okay. And so, you know, I think a lot of this is, is, uh, is, is trying to organize those thoughts and put them in. And, and again, I teaching veterinary students, I'm trying to get them to think in terms of a system of how do you look at things and put it together, and in the case of in the case of of uh, of cats and 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 lilies, true lilies, um, I never I you know lily is like Smith of the plant kingdom. Okay, everything's a lily, but 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 the true lilies, the lilium uh, genus, the Hemerocallis genus, which is your Easter lily, Asiatic lily. All of those other lilies, and um, and then your daylily, those potentially can be associated with kidney disease in cats. Even the pollen, even the pollen is enough to cause a problem. We don't know what the we we don't know what the the what the toxin is. We know that if the cat eats even a tiny bit. That it's a potential problem, you go ahead, you take it to the veterinarian, you go ahead, you put the animal on fluids. Usually, we put it on IV fluids for for about um, ideally seventy two hours. Sometimes we can get away with less, but um, but it's an emergency. I mean, it's it's like the Great Dane and one grape, not an emergency. The cat who's got yellow pollen all over its face from, uh, you know, and it just happens to be uh, Easter uh, or or it's prom. Everyone prom, everyone at prom time has got to have lilies. So, uh, so and, and, and then we go from there. And so those are the kind of things that we, that, that, that we, that we think about. Hi, Dr. Tim Evans, you are amazing. Do you have any favorite resources before we go uh, that you love for, for people who are like, I want to brush up on toxicology or this is really an area of interest for me. Any Anything that you that you like that you point people towards? Well, I would say that the, um, I think the the, uh, the poison control websites, 
particularly uh, the Pet Poison Helpline and the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center. Great websites, phone apps. Uh, certainly, um, you can call for a consultation, but they've got lots of free resources that can answer a whole lot of a whole lot of questions. Um, and uh, there's a couple. There's a number of, of of pretty good textbooks out there that that give us some good information. And and uh, yeah, so I, I love what I do. I, I hope I. I, I hope I've I've met your requirements for maybe coming back to the Coney oh, Cave again. So the stringent requirements for return visit. I I think so. I think you far exceeded far exceeded what I hoped for. This has been wonderful. I appreciate the heck out of you, uh, guys. Thanks for uh, tuning in and listening, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And that's it, guys. That's what I got for you. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you got tons out of this episode. Thanks to Dr. Tim Evans. He is so fun. I so enjoy getting to sit down and talk to him. Thanks to Hills uh, Pet Nutrition for making this uh, this episode possible. Guys, if you want to get into the actionable treatment steps coming out of this episode, if you're like, hey, I really want to get into management of these conditions. Hey, I really want to get into uh, the latest in therapeutic intervention for nephrotoxins, um, I got you covered. Head over to Hills Veterinary Academy and check it out. They've got a video uh, called The Inside Scoop, and I linked all this in the show notes, but guys, everything that you need to address these issues to get into treatment and ongoing management of the things we talked about today, is right there for you. So anyway, go and check that out. Links for all this stuff down in the show notes. Gang, take care of yourselves. I'll talk to you soon.